0: a fool to walk out on you, thinking lust was gonna carry me through, but now I'm ready to see, the one makes my dreams real.
1: Want to be in love with you, Northampton. That's right, we're back after a month hiatus. It's time for another version of a vegan Vegan radio. Radio. This one. I
2: like the other one
1: better.
2: Let's just keep playing Marla.
1: (laughs) All right, Megan. What's going on today?
2: I have no idea, Derek Goodwin. What is going on today? <laughs> um, well, I think we've got Michael Greger. <laughs> Your co-host is sick in bed, and I oh. had to I had to dredge up this other person.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, I think we've got Michael Greger.
1: Michael Greger, MD, That's right. author of "The Bird Flu," vegan a doctor, virus of our own hatching.
2: We've got him, and who else?
1: Who else? We have Ember Swift.
2: Oh, Ember Swift. The Ember Swift.
1: Vegan Canadian.
2: Yeah. Very the tofu cool. tofu bacon
1: of vegan Canadia.
2: Very cool musician who's played at local places in Northampton, like Fire and Water and Iron Horse.
1: And um, and then we have some news. Some That's news. That's it. That's <laughs> it? Oh my yeah. God. It's a new year. Or a flu year, as Michael Greger might tell us.
2: Are we going to interview Ember Swift?
1: We are, Megan. All
2: right. Cool.
1: So, uh, you guys have some news stories.
2: (laughs) We got got a little something something. All right. I'm going to start off. We have Taiwan breeds green glowing pigs. Scientists in Taiwan say that they have bred three pigs that glow in the dark. They claim that while other researchers have bred partly fluorescent pigs... Theirs are the only pigs in the world which are green (laughs) through and through. Truly fluorescent. (laughs) The pigs are transgenic, created by adding genetic material from jellyfish into a normal pig embryo. In daylight, the researchers say the pigs' eyes, teeth, and trotters trotters, look green. (laughs) Their skin has a greenish tinge.
1: Where'd this article come
4: from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Taiwan, man.
2: In the dark, shine a blue light on them, and they glow torchlight bright. The scientists will use the transgenic pigs to study human disease. Because the pig's genetic material encodes a protein that shows up as green, it's easy to spot. Researchers say they hope the new green pigs will mate with ordinary female pigs to create a new generation, much greater numbers of transgenic pigs for use in research. Oh, it sounds wonderful. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't like it. The things you got to do. But if I could do that to myself and go to Burning Man, that would be pretty
4: cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess it's a
4: UK story, so they meant blacklight for
2: the, you in here in America. Ah, uh, okay. I was a little confused. Yeah. Okay. And what else? Any other comments on that one? <laughs> I really, no, no I, I'm kind of speechless with that one. I really, I, I don't, yeah, I can't really get into that.
4: I know. We just don't like pigs and research in general. That's right. So what are you going to do?
2: And then the fact that they're making them fluorescent is just, it's overwhelming. But For, it's not an affront to the dignity
4: of the pig race. No. Not at all.
2: That they're fluorescent?
4: No, I suppose not. <laughs> It'll be easier to rescue them in the dark at least.
2: That's, That's true. true. Yeah, hey. I right, always the, got the bright side. <laughs> our, our next article, there's a high IQ link to being vegetarian. Surprise, oh, surprise. That. A Southampton uni- University team. Just look team, at this room
4: here, three of us.
2: I know. <laughs> My God. The, combi- like add up the combined our... IQ here. It's <laughs> got to be at least 100. <laughs> yeah, so, something is
4: towering in this room, but I'm not sure it's the IQs.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well,
1: come on, give yourself more credit.
2: <laughs> Funny. A Southampton University team found those who were vegetarian by 30 had recorded five IQ points more on average at the age of 10. Researchers said it could explain why people with higher IQ were healthier as a vegetarian diet was linked to lower heart disease and obesity rates. Vegetarians were more likely to be female, to be of higher occupational social class, and to have higher academic or vocational qualifications than non-vegetarians. Liz O'Neill of the Vegetarian Society said, We've always known that vegetarianism is an intelligent, compassionate choice benefiting animals, people, and the environment. Now we've got the scientific evidence to prove it. Maybe that explains why many meat reducers are keen to call themselves vegetarians when even they must know that vegetarians don't eat chicken, turkey, or fish. Meat reducers. Yeah. That's a new one. Those (laughs) are the
1: flexitarians (laughs) the meat reducer. That's right.
2: But Dr. Frankie Phillips of the British Dietetic Association said, it is like the chicken and the egg. Do people become a vegetarian because they have a very high IQ, or is it just that they tend to be more aware of health issues? Mm.
4: Question. Could be. I don't know. I thought the egg came first. Didn't they figure that out this year already? Oh, really? Yeah, whatever was in the egg was more chickeny than what laid the egg, apparently.
2: This is all, all news to me, Scott. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and well, you my gotta, news.
2: my news is done. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Today we're
1: dividing up the news stories. Among right. our correspondents. <laughs> we all
4: need practice reading. So. <laughs> Not me. Uh-oh, we got a call. Oh, her. I sure do. Okay, Here. read us the story, Scotty. Yes, you, you find out what the technical problems are, <laughs> and I'll check out this story. Here we have uh, a good one, uh, sort of related to the pig story. The FDA is telling us now that cloned animals are safe to eat, or at least as safe to eat as uncloned <laughs> animals. Uh, according to the story, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is proposing right. to rule that food from cloned animals is as safe to eat as food from conventionally reared animals. The FDA's proposed ruling is in three parts. A risk assessment, a risk management plan, (coughs) and we know how risk management plans work in this country, (laughs) and information for the food industry. The risk assessment proposes that eating meat and milk from cloned adult cattle, pigs, goats, and their offspring is as safe as eating those products from animals reared in the conventional way. Which means not very safe. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Sheep are not mentioned because there is not enough evidence on sheep cloning to give a reliable risk assessment, even though sheep were the first uh, mammals cloned, besides probably mice. Anyway, Dr. Stephen Sundloff, director of FDA's Center for Veterinary Medicine, said in a press release yesterday... Based on the FD's analysis of hundreds of peer-reviewed publications and other studies on the health and food composition of clones and their offspring, the draft risk assessment has determined that meat and milk from clones and their offspring are as safe as food we eat every day. <laughs> he, adds uh, that clo- day. <laughs> that he adds that cloning presents no added risk when it is compared to, quote, the other assisted reproductive technologies currently used by U.S. farmers.
1: Now, you see Megan Scott's use of emphasis. That's pretty good. Emphasis. <laughs> What are
2: you trying to say?
1: <laughs> this isn't I, I was lesson. just complimenting Scott. Oh, thank you, honey. See, Megan's emphasis is also very good. <laughs>
2: I think you better go on to your story, Derek.
1: <laughs> um, we had a caller, and she complimented Megan's emphasis. That's why I brought it up.
2: Oh well, yeah. thank you. <laughs>
1: no, but she also wanted to know. Um, or she asked if, if they thought that eating vegetables made people smarter, and that's why they had higher IQ.
2: That's what I, I would think, that the, the less and less meat you eat, the, the less it um, <laughs> obstructs your, your brain. Blood flow
4: to your brain. Exactly. I mean, there actually is a study which exactly. has shown that uh, after bypass heart surgery, your IQ does tend to drop. Your mental acuity goes down. Uh, So, you know, Bill Clinton, that's why he seemed a little slow lately. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, that's probably somewhat related. You know, blood flow, oxygen to the brain is essential, very important. Being awake, being aware, you know, all that stuff, not having too high acidity. I mean, the the whole chemical thing must be. So in the
1: case of this study, though, I believe that the result was, or they, they tested the kids when they were 10 years old and then checked back on them through the years and found... So when the kids were 10, I, I don't think they were vegetarian. So it, I don't know if their family fed them more vegetables. That wasn't a factor.
4: Hmm. But, uh, and, of course, you know, becoming so did more the, Did the caller
2: really compliment me on my emphasis? <laughs> oh, <yeah.
4: laughs> you enunciate so well. She said you are the
1: enunciator.
2: Thank you, caller.
1: George Bush is the decider, and you're the enunciator. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, caller. Thank you so much.
1: All right. So um, our musical guest is going to be next. We, we have Ember Swift. I'm going to play you. Song from her. What is that magic button for right there? The magic button? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Scott, if you don't know what the magic button is for at this point, <laughs> you're lost, buddy. You're lost. Mm. Didn't
4: you watch Goldfinger? <laughs> I sang Goldfinger
1: the other day. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is Ember Swift. Include my
3: food. <laughs>
0: with me let's debate the ethics on that play let's disagree aren't you gonna tell me how everything i eat is derived from misery and cruelty aren't you gonna tell me about the contents of meat all the pesticides and the hormones come on ever let's disagree come on let's disagree come on ever let's disagree come on ever, let's disagree Let's cross for sale up.
1: Hey, we're back. You're listening to WXOJLP <laughs> Northampton 103.3. <laughs> and we have no FM. guests. What's so funny, Derek? <laughs> um, yeah, we tried to call both of our guests and neither of them are answering their phones, so uh we're guestless. We're clueless. What are we going to do this? But we do have a we do have a special guest in the studio here. He's um filming a documentary for VFR. Hello. About VFR. Um
2: we'd like to do a little interview with him. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can interview him.
1: He's uh, taking taking video footage of us. You want to hand over your stuff there, Scotty? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh,
2: man! Scott's got to go down? <laughs> Poor Scott.
1: There's only three headphones. Oh,
4: uh, well. Who's, who's last is first, I suppose? Here you go. We've
2: got four over there. Yeah, you can be in on it. I don't see why not. Scott, you want to try to <clears> hook <throat> up o- down there? Uh, I'm going to go off and try to hook up.
1: I'll Hello. Hi. How you doing? Good, how are you? State your name and your purpose. Great show.
5: <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is David. Uh, Dave, you may know me as Dave from the number one show on Saturday Oh, the Saturday number night. one show. I've heard of that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you yep. have a podcast to that?
5: No, I, as, no, as technological as I am, I seem to be totally lacking in, like, any techno uh, backup for my show. I haven't heard
2: any... What is the number one show? I haven't heard anything about the it. The number
5: one show is a hip-upbeat combination of, oh. of like, New Wave and hip-hop and other stuff, like, spice, spliced in with, like, um, a lot of movie clips. It kind of, like, huh. mimics a basic, like, rock-format show, except, like, a lot of the music is a little more over-the-top and a little more, like, sort of... Uh, it, it tends to be either like, like a little bit sexual or a little bit druggy or a little bit like sort of representing kind of an uh, like a underculture with a with a, the 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 commentary pieces in the middle sort of or the clips in the middle sort of tying it together in a humorous or political kind of way to give you not the sense that I'm like endorsing all the views of the, the okay, music, you're but you're I do a, enjoy the music. You're giving a sample. Okay. Is
2: this something that you that you pre-record and then put on, or you're doing it like?
5: I just do it live. Oh,
2: you do it live. Yeah, and I
5: have all these clips, oh, wow. and it's all on my computer. So, um, oh, cool. And I try to make a theme, like every time, like whether it's just like my, you know, like uh, just joy of some sort, or like broken heart, or like um, you know, the moon is full, or something like that. So the moon is full. We'll have st- stuff about like witches and like oh, okay. other stuff, it's sort of built into the fabric of the songs. And sometimes I have guests and um, stuff like that. It's, it's this is it, Saturday at what time? Eight eight p.m.
2: Eight p.m. Saturday. Yeah.
5: It's it's all about like um, trying to be as just enjoy your like sort of very joyous, you know like maybe a little bit of a uh, um, what's the word it's 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 crass. There's, yes. a crass, there's a crash
2: oh so that's why you like our show <laughs> 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 sounds like
1: our show
5: <laughs> i heard about you guys show from someone i work with in new york actually really in new york, wow. yeah i didn't even know i was like she was like you got to check out this podcast because she's a vegan <laughs> and she's like having all this sort of vegan angst like like how do i be a vegan in the world and like right. all this stuff and she's like check out this podcast and i was like checking it out i'm like hey wait a minute that's Valley Free Radio. That's Valley Radio. She like works at Evolution Cafe, and I go there. That
1: stuff, so that's cool. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's awesome. We have a fan in New York. Who would have thought?
5: I think you have a lot. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> so I am here doing a, a, a film. Yeah, I'm filming for all of you people. The only people that listen to this are on Valley Free Radio, right? Right.
1: Um, well, until we put the until podcast, podcast up.
3: Oh, right. <laughs> that's
1: why I was asking if you had a podcast. We could send our podcast listeners to listen to your show. I haven't quite figured that out yet. Do you have a website tools. or anything? I have a MySpace page. Well, we'll, we'll get that from you and,
2: and I, post it on. We'll it. Get oh, you Some okay. new friends. That'd be <laughs> great. Yeah. 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 You guys are all on
1: top of it. I see. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we're we're almost on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't have guests that answer their phones. So <laughs> <laughs> Which, you're lucky. You're lucky. I'm here to fill in. I guess.
3: <laughs> yeah. So this is so. your first film.
1: Um, this is my
5: first film. Film. Yeah, I've been a teacher of video and, and stuff for, for, for a while. Do you and teach at a school around here? I taught in New York for four years. I started a program in a small private school in video editing. And, uh, oh, cool. It kind of, it's it's all about like, um, for me, like I'm a technology guy who went to grad school for communications and then kind of came back with this idea that technology has to be integrated into the curriculum in a way that makes sense in a progressive, you know, uh, John Dewey kind of sense. Um, and... So I was able to write a grant proposal for my uh, at the school, and they accepted it to sort of start this new program, so the kids could do video editing every day, an hour a day, every every kid could do it, and sort of build this kind of community of people who knew how to use this technology. And I have all sorts of philosophical, um, pedagogic reasons why I think it's a really valuable thing for kids to do, not just a fun thing for kids to mm-hmm. do. So, um, but since I moved up here, I had, I'm not teaching any uh, schools out there listening you can contact <laughs> me contact
2: him i'm quite good
1: i'm quite good but <laughs> go to his myspace page yeah no. um have
2: you thought about trying to procure another grant around here and work with kids in this area i did
5: actually i started this thing called the chop shop for a while which is in downtown northampton and i tried to get like this thing where i was going to help people make videos and i did it i mean
2: oh my god for a while i'm making a video about my family
5: and I could help. <laughs> wow.
2: That'd be cool.
5: And I could help. And you could pay me. Or In this case, no one really paid me. Can she pay can I you barter cookies? You?
2: Can, I, can I barter with you yes. and pay you cookies? Yes. I and prefer
5: cupcakes. alternative Oh, movies. really? Yeah. I have a studio set up. I'm working with Performance Project right now, which is uh-huh. a group with uh, that does like performance and dance and stuff with... Um, um, uh, people who've been in and out of Hampshire County jail. Hmm. So I, I sort of lend some equipment to her and do some editing mm-hmm. and do some stuff for Julie Lichtenberg on that. So yeah, I'm all about I'll do the barter. You know, I have the time. I make money by going to New York every, once every other week and doing tech work for Mo- Museum of Modern Art. So
2: Oh nice. Mama.
5: Yeah. Oh Moma. Mama.
2: Mama. <laughs> mama. There's no time for Mama here.
1: <laughs> mama say. We call it Sloma. Sloma. Yeah, everything because everything happens very slowly. Oh. So, can you tell us um, how how Vegan Radio is going to fit into your documentary? <laughs> Are we going to be like the, the we're main We're going to be the stars. It's of all the course. About, yeah, of course. It's, it's it's all the radio station radio. is going to kind of revolve around <laughs> what we're doing.
5: Yeah, it, that's right. It's going to it's going to manufacture a new a new um, a narrative, which appears. So it appears that Valley Free Radio is actually just a prop for <laughs> <vegan radio>. <laughs> <laughs> holding you up, <laughs> scaffolding you. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I know I'm doing this documentary uh, to try to... um, Well, I want to talk to everybody who's lending all their time, and I think there's a lot of interesting people who are doing it, and I like doing it uh, and lending my time to it, and I think it's a great cause and everything. But there's also this whole interesting sort of democratic process or socialist democratic process or whatever that's going on behind the scenes to actually make this station work or or not work. And if you've been to any meetings, you'll see that they're really struggling through some issues of... um, a, a, a hierarchy, or um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people's voices being heard, and they have—I think—what is a good mission basically and a good organization, but there's there's there are people and personalities in place, so it's an opportunity to sort of talk to everybody and like see how these people and personalities actually meld into what appears to be a functioning or. It, it it appears to be a functioning station from the outside. For me, when I come in here, it's functioning. Everyone's listening to it. From the inside, it looks like it's a, just a <laughs> Chaos. completely yeah. like there's it's a it's a ship with what no sails just. <laughs> yeah. But they're trying. They're really trying. And uh, and now is like a crucial moment for reasons I can't really discuss on the air. But there's definitely like a feeling in the in the in the at the station that there's we're in sort of a make or break period. And right. you know it could just kind of. Kind of go all the way off the rails. Anytime. If it breaks,
1: if vegan radio is going to have to go to satellite Oh my with God. the Howard Stern show. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put us in the same category as Howard Stern. Thank you. Well, I see, Derek, you're wearing vegan radio. If we could get radius. as many listeners, that would be a good category. That's right.
5: You're wearing a vegan radio. You know, That's right. I knew you were coming.
1: T-shirt. I <laughs> had to represent <laughs> I bet you don't see any other uh, shows with their own t-shirts. Oh, at the station do you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, the Derek Show. I love that you guys are out there.
5: That you're really trying to make it up, uh, make it as good and as widely reaching as possible i think that's a that's a great goal and in my show the number one show is really all about pretending to want to be as far <laughs> yeah, reaching as you're, possible you're really
1: <laughs> the number two show on it's, Valley free it's radio, a j- it's
5: kind of a joke the number one show because <laughs> i can always say it's the number one show on valley free radio you know and so it's, yeah that it was, was
1: a good good marketing uh, idea
5: i got me on the eight to ten slot on saturday oh, <laughs> oh
2: well,
1: number one show you couldn't be on a, some
2: can be on some like Thursday, on Thursday, twelve to one. I'll I was tell you actually that much. I was
5: following Kathy, Canine calling in conversation every other <laughs> Tuesday, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and she's great and she loves talking about dogs. But no one really wants to listen to Dizzy Rascal at ten in the morning, apparently. Mm, we you used know, to be right we, before. We wanted
1: it. to make we wanted to make sure we could uh, make people feel uncomfortable during their lunch hour. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> While they're chomping on their Arby's. Mm, oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah, they have to actually put their meat down to get up and turn off the show. Put your meat down. <laughs> Change the down. channel. Put your meat down. <laughs> Drop your meat and come out with your hands up. It's a vegan police.
2: <laughs> All right. All right.
1: Well, should we try to find? Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say before? Yeah.
2: Well, anything I about can, your I show? I could just talk
5: and talk. No. Um, no. I think we've we've been you've been listening to me on the air for at least five minutes now. Any
1: views point. on veganism?
5: I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think it's difficult. I don't. I don't know how you do it. I've tried being vegetarian and been vegetarian on and off. Vegan, no. But um, it is uh, uh, politically and socially probably one of the strongest stances you can take. And so I think I think it's a, a remarkable thing that you guys are putting yourselves out there like that because pe- poor vegans that want to be as um, the activists that they really are by being vegans um, need support. Yeah, we,
1: we like to be a support system. Yeah. I know it helps my friend
5: in New York, Bonnie. Say, hey, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie.
1: <laughs> Bonnie.
2: Call us, Bonnie. We need somebody here. <laughs> we're we're sinking. We're <laughs>
1: Where are you, Bonnie? All right. All right well, we're going to cool. try playing some more music. Thanks for having me on we'll the show. We'll send yeah, people thanks to your MySpace for, page. And, thanks um, for talking. Yeah, thanks for sharing your documentary story with us. You're welcome.
0: I'm awake now. I cannot go back to sleep. Consciousness is stealth, on quiet feet it creeps. Once you let it in your house, you'll never want it to leave. I'm awake now, I can hear it breathe. The more I learn about food, the less I want to eat. The more I learn about water, the less I want to drink. The more I learn about people, the fewer I want to meet. The more I learn. witness I'll tell you what I have seen ignorance is bliss only when you're fast asleep once you are in consciousness you'll never want it to leave I'm a witness this is what I see the more I learn about food the less I want to eat the more I learn about water the less I want to drink the more I learn about people the fewer I want to meet. The more I learn, the less I want to. But I cannot stop. We yeah. gotta yeah.
1: a witness. Ember Swift, you there?
2: Yes, I'm here. How are you?
1: Good. How you doing? I'm
2: really good. We were sinking, Ember. We didn't know where you were.
6: <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought it was 12:30, so I'm sorry that's
2: I wasn't our,
1: available. That's probably what Dr. Gregor thought too. I don't know if we'll have time for him
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad seed. But we we got Scott back with us, so we're happy about that.
1: I'm glad to be back. I missed you, all. So, Ember. Um, How's things going in Canada? You guys have any snow yet?
6: We did. We had some snow um, just after um, just after the twenty fifth, but it's it's really warm today and it's all melting. It's really strange. The weather's strange.
2: Yeah. Well, we're in the middle of global warming. That's what's going yeah, on, Yeah, aren't we?
1: <laughs> we're at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> or the beginning. <laughs> Which part of global warming is this, <laughs>
4: Scott? You have any uh, ideas? Uh, I'm going with beginning, Derek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are there
2: three of you there? There yeah. are. It's oh, I thought there was only two. So, hi. Mm. That's
4: right. Who that's a everybody? common misconception.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm Megan. I'm hi, Sp- Megan. And
4: I'm
1: Scott. Hi, Scott. Uh, see, I'm like the father, Meg's the mother, and Scott's the holy
6: ghost. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> I used to work at Fire and Water, Ember, so I remember you, you, at least, did you at least come in and get food there?
6: Oh, yeah. We played there years
2: ago. Play, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, I miss
6: that place.
1: Yeah, I think I saw you there once.
2: Really? M-
4: and bought your yeah. CD. I did as well.
6: <laughs> yeah, I guess it closed
2: about three, four years ago now, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a new There's a new continuation called Evolution. Yeah. The, uh,
1: Are you still in touch with Star Drucker?
6: I see him once in a while. I saw him about six months ago, but I have a very dear friend who lives in Northampton, so I go to Northampton quite a lot.
1: Uh oh, that must be Doctor. Gregor on call waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason we have call waiting on our studio line phone. It's something Beep. strange. Uh, yeah. Anyway.
2: So what's your latest CD that's out?
6: I think It's that's called The Dirty Pulse. That's the song from it,
2: Witness. Yeah.
6: And, yeah, it came out uh, about six months ago now.
2: And do you have any, um, are there vegetarian-oriented oriented lyrics in any of those songs?
6: Well, well, there's that song you just heard, which talks yeah. about the more you learn about food, the less you want to eat. Right. <laughs> which is referencing i guess the um as uh, among other things it's referencing all the information about the meat industry the more people learn about the meat industry the the less likely i hope the less likely they are to eat meat but that goes to, that also goes with the uh, the dairy and egg industry as well yeah, that's if they're wimpy, the, they will. <laughs> the main song that we have about politics is from a previous album it's called include my food mhm and that one yeah, we played about.
1: that earlier in the show.
6: Oh, cool! Yeah, that's really
1: good. But well, the, the first time we tried beep. to get you on the line, we were playing that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to cool, play the witness at the end of the show, but we got you on the line now, so I'm very excited.
3: Hmm.
1: Is it hard to write songs about animal rights issues or vegan issues? I know I noticed that there's a lot of bands that are vegetarian or vegan, and they don't like write about it.
6: Well, I think it's. um it's no harder to write about it than it is to write about other political issues. I guess it's just, I write about the topics that are burning a hole in my brain <laughs> at the moment, you know. So if I'm, if I'm really thinking about the consequences of consumerism and choice and, and how to make the world a better place, sometimes food issues come up. I just think that right now we're just on the cusp of a serious, a serious crisis in the world of in the realm of food and water and energy so they're all sort of sitting there this this trio of crises and we got to talk about it because the individual choices we're making in the more affluent countries like Canada or the US or Australia or Europe those choices are have such a high impact on what's happening in the less affluent countries I just think within our lifetimes we're going to see some huge changes when it comes to what food is available and what food isn't. And global warming, I mean, that's going to affect what food can be grown and what food can't.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk uh, to Michael Greger. Dr. Greger, are you aware of him? Dr. Greger? Yeah.
6: No, maybe I'm well, not.
1: He's on in our show later today, and he wrote a book about the bird flu.
6: Oh, um, I think, what was the name of the book?
1: Um, bird Flu, A Virus of Our Own Hatching. <laughs> I've
6: just I, I read a review about it I think but I haven't um, I haven't read the book.
1: Yeah, it's a really scary book.
6: Huh. Um, yeah, you know, good cheer. Happy New Year by the <laughs> way. <laughs> Happy
1: flu year we say.
6: Happy flu year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so are, are most of your songs about politics? Do you have any love songs or songs oh, about your sure. mom yeah, or Oh for sure, yeah, you know.
6: I sing about my life and I sing about the the topics that move me, but some of those topics include my personal relationships or just the whole the whole um, struggle to to communicate better and be open and and listen and you know find pure connections with people that aren't riddled with untold truths and stuff <laughs> so for sure I sing a song I sing songs about my love life and my friends and my family, but I'm also singing songs about what's happening globally, and I and I believe it's all interconnected, so yeah. we can learn to talk to each other better in our intimate connections, and I think that countries can learn to negotiate more clear and global connections.
2: Have you had any instances of um, fans listening um, to songs that had um, animal rights or vegetarian lyrics and saying that they they checked you know, did some research on it and that they became vegan or vegetarian because of your music?
7: Yeah, for
6: sure. And we often, um, we've been involved with uh, the group PETA and also uh, Friends of Animals. Yeah, I've I've seen an advertisement.
2: I've seen an advertisement that you've done, like a full-page advertisement for PETA.
6: Yeah. And that was really helpful to me, too, in terms of promotion for my music. And it was helpful. I certainly love to lend my name to a cause I believe in. And that was an advocacy an advocacy campaign for um, inspiring people to to choose vegetarianism. So for sure, I think that people have come up to us after shows because of the pamphlets they've gotten at our, our merchandise table or that we spread around. We make sure that we, we leave various uh, vegetarian, vegan propaganda everywhere we go. And people have said, wow, I've never known that. Wow, I'm going to consider it. But in the, on, the, on the same token, I've had the opposite response, where I've had lengthy debates with people about the, the health benefits versus the what they believe to be the um, disadvantage to choosing vegetarianism or veganism. And um, I still regularly, I just recently got an email from someone who said, I really like your music and I like what you're about, but I really don't agree with the vegan thing. And I think that humans are designed to eat flesh, and blah blah blah. <laughs> it goes on and on. And I and I think it's really valid because it gives me an opportunity to send send my thoughts, and then and it's good to know what other people think and and to hear their sources of information. But I also think it's a great platform to to send links and, and for, you know stats those people and and maybe it'll change their minds or maybe it won't but at least at least it's a dialogue
2: right you're getting you're getting lines of communication open
6: exactly and as long as i i broach these topics regardless of what they are with that openness and i feel like the the dialogue will be launched and that's the beginning of activism is the exchange of ideas
2: right
1: any plans to come out our way soon
6: um Besides just to visit my
3: friends.
6: <laughs> 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 Are you in Northampton? Yeah. Yeah. You're in Northampton. That's great. Um, well, we yeah, we're playing. Um, at the end of March, we're doing a New England run. We're playing in Connecticut, and we're trying to do Rhode Island. I think we're going to do a, a New York City show. I know that's not technically New England.
3: <laughs> well, maybe um, I can um, hurry <laughs> to might, at my birthday party. Uh, I
6: don't know, it's just about four or five shows, and Philly's one of them as well, so I know that's not New England either. But at least we're going to be in the Northeast. So that's the end of March.
2: So we've got to get you out to Massachusetts.
6: Yeah, okay. you know, we just played in, in at the Iron Horse there, and that was in, when was it, uh, November or October? Uh, it was October, end of October. So we won't be back in Northampton until next
3: fall. Okay.
1: I think so you got to come by year, uh, March 26th. Play at my uh, forty-year vegan, forty-year-old vegan birthday party.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sure she'll carve out a chunk of time Come for that on, one. She's touring through the Northeast. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we're gonna. Well, it depends some. how good the food is. I could be convinced.
1: There'll oh. be uh, cupcakes and what else are you gonna make, Megs?
6: What else am
2: I gonna make? <laughs> I don't know. You haven't hired me to. What's to
1: your What's your favorite uh, bake bake good, Amber? How can we lure you? <laughs> How can me? <laughs>
6: well, um, I'm hard to beg for because I don't eat wheat either. So, so you need us. But s- I really like <coughs> vegan, vegan cheese cheesecake cake of any kind.
1: Oh, okay. There we go. We'll bring, we'll have a, a vegan cheesecake for each member of your band.
6: Excellent.
3: <laughs> a, vegan, a vegan gluten <laughs> And I'll pretend prey. that they're all for me. <laughs> 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 That's great. Right.
6: Well, thanks for what you're doing.
3: Oh, you know, it's
6: welcome. just as important... I think that it's that interchange between people who are willing to broadcast a show with the entire theme being about veganism and then artists like me or us that are out there talking about it. It's all equally important, so thank you.
1: No problem. Well, we have to get to our next guest, but thanks so much for coming on.
2: Thanks, Amber. No problem. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Bye. Oh. Okay, oh. so. Cut number off. Didn't <laughs> Cut her off. Bye. We, gotta call, we gotta call Dr. Greger here. So uh, I have Dr. This, Greger's on my bad list. I know. <laughs> well, I have this l- little intro um, from the Lantern Books. Lantern Books has uh, published his new book, The Bird Flu Book. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know Martin Rowe, obviously.
2: Yeah, Lantern Books also. They just basically they're a uh, publishing company that um, does a lot of alternative books on veganism, spirituality, um, and. Things like this, like the bird flu, where
1: yep, they also published his uh, carbophobia book,
2: which is a great little, quick little read on, a quick the whole, little read on quick the little read on myth. the Atkins diet and why it's why it's bad.
1: Anyway, so I have this um, little thing from Martin Rowe that he had on his website about the bird flu book, so we can play that while we get Michael on the line here. Bird flu is a
8: book by Michael Greger, M.D. And I think the most authoritative and systematic analysis of the causes of bird flu and the consequences of bird flu, it's a quite startling book and really very, very striking reading. And it makes you really think not just about bird flu on its own, but about all zoonotic diseases, animal-borne diseases that the world is currently afflicted with and will be afflicted with if we continue to break into animals' habitat by either destroying it or by confining them in factory farms and in general confined spaces, so he places bird flu within the context of these other zoonotic diseases, Ebola, Lassa fever, various other foodborne pathologies that we consider food poisoning, like Salmonella, Campylobacter, Fisteria and also the phenomenon of HIV-AIDS, which was believed to have jumped the species barrier. So this is a very, very timely book, and one that I think, unlike the others, really contextualizes bird flu as part of the crazy way that we deal with animals and animal diseases. Dr.
1: Greger, are you there?
7: Good afternoon.
2: (laughs) We've been waiting for you, Dr. Greger.
1: I think I got the bird flu. (laughs) God, I hope not.
7: Healthy as a horse.
1: Megan's been passing it around.
2: (laughs) I'm the only well one of the bunch.
1: So uh, happy flu year, Dr. Greger. How are you?
7: Ah, flu year's Eve, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Flu year's Eve.
1: Now, Michael, I've often said that cancer is something you can't make jokes about, Um, but the bird flu is just plain terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) How do you spend so many hours pondering these things and still maintain your sharp sense of humor?
7: Um, uh, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) well-read, well-read. Yeah, no, I mean, the same thing kind of happened, you know, remember with Atkins, you know, Atkins was going crazy, four million Americans, according to time, were on the Atkins diet. And uh, so I just kind of felt pushed and pulled, you know. I was hoping someone would do a good, you know, some good work on it. But here, you know, one hand, the AMA and the American Heart Association, all the big public health authorities, on the planet, we're saying it's a nightmare of a diet, and meanwhile, none of it is getting out to the general public. So I, I wrote the book called Phobia, put a free full text online. Same thing happened with bird flu. Bird flu comes out, it's you know, and here's a, the leading public health authorities are, are um, are you know screaming about it being the greatest public health threat currently in the world, and yet you know it it, it only really broke through kind of last fall in terms of the media, and so I. I felt you know the same thing, and I really had to kind of sit down and, and again just kind of bridge that gap. I mean, nothing all the information is there. Just bridge that gap from the scientific community, which has known about this forever, to the general public, which just doesn't understand that you know the the way we treat animals kind of global public health implications.
1: The bird flu, it's existed for millions of years as a innocuous internal virus. <laughs> So wow, th-
2: Michael! I'm going to have to take over this interview because um, Derek's Derek's going to be busy in the corner for a little while. Yeah, I didn't want to use uh, too too long of words, you know,
7: because I knew Derek was going to. But exactly. Yeah.
2: Tell us tell us a little bit tell us a little bit about about the book. What's and what I'm,
1: you think is very I didn't important? I'm that on film.
7: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, over the last thirty years, as I think you were hearing Martin talk about. Over thirty new diseases have emerged or reemerged at right a rate unprecedented in human history. You know, when most of us were born, you know, there was no AIDS. You know, and now you know, twenty-five million people are dead. SARS, Ebola, Mad Cow, Bird Flu. But you know, from where do emerging diseases emerge? Well, most of these new disease threats are coming from animals. You say, well, you know, we domesticated animals over ten thousand years ago, and so I mean, what has changed recently? has kind of brought this all upon us just really over the last three decades. And so, in light of this current bird flu threat, I really wanted to kind of understand why now, what's changed. Um, and so, uh, that's why I sat down uh, last year and, uh, and began working on it.
2: And what did you find? What's your research? What did you find out about it?
7: Well, I mean, you know, bird flu viruses have existed harmlessly for. Millions of years, uh, harmless both birds and people. Very important to understand. You know, they start out harmless, but placed in these kind of extreme conditions, some of these viruses can mutate into a dangerous, also called highly pathogenic form, like in the trenches of World War one which may have led up to the pandemic of 1918, which, the uh, worst plague of all time, killed perhaps 50 million people. And there may have been because we had these millions of soldiers crowded together in these stressful, unhygienic conditions. And once this virus got into those conditions, it could mutate into a dangerous form. And from the point of view of this virus, these same kind of trench warfare conditions exist today in every industrial chicken shed, every industrial egg operation, confined, crowded, stressed by the billions, not just millions like in 1918. And now we're left with this virus, H5N1, this deadly mutant Asian strain of avian influenza spreading out of Asia um, with, with unprecedented human lethality killed over half of the people it's infected so far. Don't even get a coin toss as to whether or not you live through this disease. Luckily, only about 150 people have died, but the concern is that it'll mutate into a form easily transmissible from one person to the next, thereby triggering another pandemic which could kill millions of people around the globe.
2: And there there have been cases in, you said, China?
7: There have been human cases, uh, mostly concentrated in Southeast Asia, particularly in uh, Thailand and Vietnam.
2: And so you haven't seen anything here yet?
7: Uh, So here, there's not only not been any human deaths, but there hasn't been any avian or bird infections of this Asian strain of H5N1 anywhere in this hemisphere. But that should not give us solace, as a pandemic, by definition, is a uh, is kind of a global epidemic. Unlike other um, disasters, whether it be terrorism, earthquakes, tsunamis, etc., these are mostly you know really localized in both time and space. But a pandemic is a global epidemic of disease, which spreads around the entire world. And so, it doesn't matter where this bird flu virus is when it finally. Um, if it even can mutate into a human transmissible form, whether that happens in Indonesia, whether it happens in China, whether it happens in our own backyard, um, if the bird flu virus were to come to this hemisphere, it could trigger this this kind of global plague, which, which you know, could, in fact, once it goes person to person, then it doesn't arrive here on the wings of a bird, it arrives on the wings of a 747, you know, and a right. you know, business person coming from, you know, Asia or wherever.
1: So, what's the science of um, of that would make it able for this virus to mutate into a human-to-human transmissible form of virus from from what it is with the chickens now?
7: Well, there's a number of steps it needs to take. Uh, the um, first, it has to be able to better kind of attach to the lining the hu- lining of the human respiratory uh, system. I mean, right now it's It's much better, kind of attacking to the respiratory tracts of birds, and and as such has killed literally hundreds of millions of birds. But again, very few people have actually become infected, and that infection has been come from really quite kind of intimate, close contact with either um, infected people or infected poultry or poultry products. Um, So, for example, drinking raw duck blood pudding was uh, Uh was one purported way of getting the disease but and so people can say well look i i, I you know i don't drink dark blood pudding i don't you know i don't engage <laughs> everybody in drinks fighting. Duck blood pudding. i don't you know i don't i don't come in contact with infected birds so i don't have to worry about this bird flu thing well that's a the misconception correct i mean right now it's a bird virus h5n1 is a bird virus there's a pandemic of among bird populations killed hundreds of millions of birds but very few people have died the concern is not that we're going to get it from birds but that because of the way we treat birds viruses are going to emerge that can jump into the human population and then spread within the human population then you'd get pandemic flu like you'd get the regular flu just from you know being in an enclosed space with people coughing or sneezing or touching infected objects and then touching your face i mean these kind of the ways that one would normally get infected could spread this virus very rapidly around the world
1: sounds pretty scary is there anything uh we can do to protect ourselves or prepare for a pandemic
7: Uh, yes no there certainly are and this you know and and just to kind of pull that metaphor you know just like the bushmeat trade led to um hiv aids the emergence of hiv aids which killed 25 million people you say oh it comes from bushmeat well i don't eat bushmeat so i don't have to worry about aids same thing with bird flu. I mean, now the concern is that once it gets into the human population, then we can get it. Um, then the, the the you know the, the those original you know, chimpanzees are kind of out of the picture. But you know all this can be traced. All the AIDS cases can be traced back a few decades to someone who you know chomped down on some chimpanzee leg, and similarly. Um, if if bird flu were to trigger a pandemic and kill millions of people, those deaths could potentially ultimately be traced back to the way we're now factory farming birds in Southeast Asia, kind of really following this Westernized Tyson model of poultry production. Um, uh, but in terms of what we can do, so to prevent future outbreaks, we really have to move away from this from this this factory farming model where we're cramming tens of thousands of birds in these. Really cramped, filthy football field-sized sheds to lie beak to beak in their own waste—a veritable breeding ground for disease. Um, and you know, as Consumer Reports you know just came out with this, this their study, dirty birds talked about the salmonella and Campylobacter rates. Bird flu is not the only human disease that we can get from keeping chickens in these kind of really um, inhumane and unhygienic conditions. In terms of what we can do now, now that H5N1 has already been hatched. We can. uh, There's a number of things that uh, that are important. Um, There's there's excellent uh, an excellent pandemic preparedness website set up by um, the Centers for Disease Control at pandemicflu.gov, pandemicflu.gov, where there's checklists for businesses, schools, families on things you can do to prepare. Really concentrating on stockpiling on weeks of essential supplies, food and water, um, as we will be asked to what's called shelter in place in the event of a pandemic in which we really need to just kind of self-quarantine, self-isolate ourselves and our family indoors until the pandemic passes. Well.
2: Michael, you're <laughs> scaring me.
7: <laughs> the 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 goal is to be prepared, not scared.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, sounds, I mean, people on low income like uh, myself and Megan and people even lower income than us, it's kind of hard to stockpile things when we're living week to week already?
7: You know, it's a matter of, uh, you don't have to do it all at once, but, you know, when you go to the grocery store and eke out whatever you can, you buy an extra of whatever, you know, that's non-perishable, and, you know, you throw it in the the corner somewhere, and, you know, after a while, you'll build up um, enough to, uh, you know, uh, enough to kind of eke out an existence. Um, uh, You know, it's, I mean, it's just like, you know, you know fire insurance or um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, whatever the risk may be that H5N1 triggers a pandemic, the potential results could be so catastrophic that it really behooves us to really take practical concrete measures to protect ourselves and our family. And, and certainly anyone who's interested in learning more about this issue um, just like I did with carbophobia, this entire book, Bird Flu, is available free, full text online at birdflubook dot
2: org. And
1: do you and have, have any? we that in our show notes at veganradio.com, if our listeners can't remember that.
2: Awesome. And I just have one last question: Do you? Is there any time frame where you feel like, well, I could see this pandemic happening, you know, in a year? Like, there's, there's, it's, it's a big mystery.
7: Unfortunately, we don't know. I mean, we know that another pandemic is inevitable. Unfortunately, we don't know when, and we don't know how bad it will be. But with this unprecedented spread of this unprecedented virus in terms of human lethality, um, uh, the you know, leading public health authorities are encouraging everyone um, from you know, local governance on down to really, again, take, um, take measures to, to kind of mediate the impact of the next pandemic.
2: Go vegan. Go
1: vegan, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Gregory, we have one last question for you. Um, have you heard uh, the latest news story about the mad cow breakthrough in science, where they've um, developed these cows that don't have prions?
7: It's, it's fascinating. I mean, these um, they've made what are called knockout mice um, in the past, where they make they transgenically create bioengineer mice without prions, and the prions look fine, as these cows have looked fine, but then later in life they started walking backwards, get insomnia, and then die. Really sad deaths. And so there's a concern that these these cows that appear fine now may run into problems later on in their life. And so instead of these kind of high-tech solutions, um, to mad cow disease, wouldn't it make more sense just to stop feeding slaughterhouse waste, blood, and manure to cows who are natural herbivores in the first place, and stop feeding downer cattle too sick to even stand to people, and thereby perpetuating this cycle? I mean, there there are simpler, um, uh, you know, more, better ways to control this disease than uh, than these so-called biotech solutions, which. Um, uh, you know just like the cloning decision from the fDA um, uh, moving one step closer to allowing you know uh, you know animal products from cloned animals into the marketplace, but we do not need these products, yes, they may be profitable, but at what cost to both the animals and to human health
1: hear here well, any parting words for our listeners today, Dr. Gregor?
7: Just encourage people to um to email me if they have any uh um, questions and my contact information is on my website birdfoodbook org.
1: Excellent.
2: Thank you, Michael.
1: Yeah, it's always fun having you on the show. Anytime. And uh, any any books in the future? Are you gonna?
7: I'm gonna take a take a breather. <laughs> <and> then, uh, <laughs> then, but uh, going back on the road. So if anyone wants me to come to your neck of the woods, I'm uh, I'm uh, gonna do another quick round of speaking.
1: Cool. Are you coming up this way? <laughs>
7: I don't know, maybe.
1: Maybe. Well you know you always got a place to speak in Northampton. Excellent. <laughs> Alright, well have a happy new year and uh we'll talk to you soon.
7: Happy New Year to you. Bye.
1: Alright, Megsy.
2: Yep, here I am. And we're <laughs> and we're going out. Yeah, I, we're going I don't out. know, I'm pretty I'm pretty scared. I mean, what, what did they
4: do in 1918 to, uh, you know, <laughs> eliminate the virus? They didn't really do. I mean, you, people yeah, I just had to just sort of develop ran its course and yeah.
1: People who survived survived, and the people who didn't didn't.
4: I'm just yeah. worried if I come out of the shelter <laughs> after this thing has passed, everyone's going to be carrying it in a benign form for right. them, but right. I'll still get it. The you know.
2: plague! The yes. plague! Oh well, it's the plague! Yeah, you guys. I don't know. All I can say is go vegan.
1: Go vegan, everyone. Let's get rid of these factory farms. Get back on the path of spiritual righteousness. As Jay Deacon will be telling you about in our next hour (laughs) on his show. Spirit. Spirit with Jay Deacon. Next time, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, Valley Free Radio. Check out our stuff at www.veganradio.com. We have links to everything we talked about in today's show. Podcast, t shows, t-shirts, pictures of Megan. <laughs> it's all there.
2: <laughs> there aren't any pictures of me. Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs>